Paradise Audio. Here we are in Studio 4B. We've got Amy Rose, Brendan Medina, Kelvin Mosier. We've got Summer Stones and Brandon Jones. I feel like we're starting this off all wrong. Oh, It's time for Citizens Rest! Yes! <laughs> there it is! Uh, as, That's how you do it. As, as Amy clutches at the volume Yes, <laughs> pulling the levels down. Heck no, let that baby rock! <laughs> Well, good How's morning. It going? Good, good. How are you guys? It's all right. Good. It's been a couple weeks. We missed you guys. We miss yeah. you too. It's really good to see you guys. I'm glad. No matter what's going on in the world today, no matter what's, you guys are all healthy and safe, and you're back into our studio again. I I feel really good about that. Thank you. We appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there was another shooting in our town of mm-hmm. Rapid City. Uh, officer-involved shooting where, unfortunately, it went down at a gas station, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't really know any of the details. I wasn't uh, on duty. <laughs> I wasn't even by there, so I have I have nothing. Could you fill us well, in? I, I think you guys probably saw some of the response from the window up here, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Um, right, Kelvin, do you want to talk about it, or you just want me to take the Go lead? Go for it. Okay. Go so, for it. So, um, let's see. It was... Uh, Friday, this past Friday, around the lunch hour, mm-hmm. um, we had a call come out of a robbery in progress. Ooh. As the call came out, we got more details stating that the suspect had now uh, cornered the clerk with a knife, and that evolved to grab the clerk and was holding a knife to her throat, mm. to uh, walking outside still with the, the clerk being held hostage. And so uh, the first arriving officer uh, got there, uh, made an observation as to to what was going on. It was a very chaotic scene. Uh, Attempted to address the suspect and get him to drop the knife. Uh, And then at one point, the the suspect lunged at the officer with the knife, uh, creating a lethal force situation. Uh, that was met with lethal force on the part of the officer in order to protect uh, his life and the life of the other people in the mm-hmm. area that the suspect was threatening. Wow. That's wild. So nobody was harmed, I mean, other than said robber, which I believe he passed away. Yep. So he was transported from the scene to the hospital. We got word later that evening that he had passed at the hospital. Mm. Um, but outside of, of, of that, nobody else was physically hurt as a result of, of his very dangerous and potentially lethal actions. Um, and uh, we're, we're extremely thankful that uh, the clerk is okay and that our own officer is okay. Yeah, no kidding. I, that could have definitely went sideways even before the officer got there. Mm-hmm. That's wild. That's some stuff you'd see in like a you know, a CSI whatever thing or some cop show or in a movie, you know what I mean? And I can just imagine the chaos of the gas station. You think about the families and the kids and the youth that are walking around it, whatever. Yeah, I mean, that place was uh, full of people, too. I mean, this was right in the middle of the day. Uh, well, this lunch, lunch hour, a lot of people stopping off to yeah. grab snacks and gas. Yeah. And, and imagine if you were in this store and then have this go down. Actually, there was even a... Uh, uh, a good Samaritan that was in the store that kind of interjected himself and started throwing things and whatnot wow. at uh, at the perpetrator. And it sounds like uh, he was able to, you know, break his attention towards the clerk just momentarily. But then after that, he went back for the clerk. And 
Hmm. Sounds like uh, he brought her outside, and unfortunately, this event happened. I think this could be so intense as an officer because it could go any direction at any time, and you have to be so trained to handle anything that could possibly happen. I mean, hats off to you guys for that. Well, i got to hand it to our police officer, too. I mean, he's showing up to what he probably knows in the back of his mind is going to be a very stressful type of situation because when these sorts of things come out over the radio, this isn't one of those things if I... you know, respond to this address for a report of a belated stolen bicycle. This actually came in as a robbery in progress, and uh, a guy has a knife to a clerk's throat. And you know, as a police officer, it's going to be tense when you get there. And then, uh, sure enough, as soon as he's got, as soon as he gets there, he's met with a guy with a knife. And just uh, having to make that decision to use lethal force in just, you know, not even seconds, but a split second. Uh, yeah, it could be uh, very daunting, and uh, I'm glad he's okay. He's doing well, and uh, hopefully he's back to work here soon. Yeah. Do you have to go through counseling and things like that after you go through a situation this, like this? Yeah. Um, you want Go for it. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's in our policy that uh, uh, an officer, after they, they are forced into that situation, uh, get a set time of administrative leave. Um, obviously, it's a very high stress, and potentially traumatic uh, event. And we want to make sure that uh, before they return back to work, that they've had some time off, some time to contemplate the situation, some time with uh, some of the wellness uh, resources that we have at the the police department, just to make sure that they are fully ready to come back to work and, and, you know, fulfill the role of police officer again after going through that kind of traumatic event. And what about the family of, you know, the criminal? Do you follow up with them? You know, not so much the police department. We won't follow up on them as much as, say, the investigating agency. You know, in this case, it was uh, DCI. Our our state investigators will probably reach out to the family, um, see what needs or questions they have, ask a lot of questions as it relates to the individual's mindset when this took place, maybe his history, if there was any potential use of uh, drugs or alcohol when this unfolded. So all of that is pretty much more so encompassed in their investigation. And then as in any investigation, you know, that's, it's a good practice to ask whomever you're talking to is, you know, do you have any questions or anything we can help you with? And uh, make the whole transition or process go just that much smoother. It's pretty wild that there's so much more to it than, than probably people think. People probably assume it's a shooting. Well, okay, unfortunately he passed. Well... The cops just stopped doing like it like it didn't phase him. Like he's mm-hmm. back at work pulling people over for speeding and checking parking tickets or something. And and in all reality, there's so much more to it than that. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, just to back up a little bit more uh, to talk about the role of that other agency that steps in, you know, moments after the shooting and after, after we've been able to identify that the situation is secure, that there's no further threat, we begin the process of pulling, you know, all Rapid City Police Department resources out of that scene, um, and it's all to maintain the integrity of the ongoing investigation uh, of the shooting, <clears throat> because we never want to be the ones to investigate our own shooting. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, it doesn't have that level of integrity that we we strive for. So we call in uh, the State Division of Criminal Investigation, which uh, they they're typically the agency that invest investigates officer-involved shootings across the state. 
they're kind of the subject matter experts uh, on officer-involved shootings. And so while we're waiting for them to show up, we, we transition the immediate scene to our, our partners at the uh, uh, Pennington County Sheriff's Office. And then as investigators start showing up, we start, they, they start taking on the additional duties that will, mm-hmm. will be required of them during the ongoing going investigation. Do the does the DCI uh, uh, do they have like an office saying Rapid one mm-hmm. in Sioux Falls kind of like mm-hmm. hit the bigger cities where they have officers I suppose that that way when you in a it's like nobody plans for this mm-hmm. so when you call it's not like well be there in three hours or something it's like we're, yeah. we're right there you know we're fortunate here in Rapid City to have uh, you know an office here locally so when something like this happens it's just as simple as a call to their supervisor their supervisor will in turn get uh, their agents to the scene um, in this incident uh, again yeah the first thing that other police officers from Rapid City are going to do is to make sure that the situation gets under control make sure public safety is met and then uh, in this case our sister agency the Pennington County Sheriff's Office would respond. They'll secure the crime scene, and then uh, DCI will show up and take things over. Yeah, we cool. we even had some state troopers and even a um, Department of Game Fish and Parks officer out there that responded to the scene. Wow! So yeah, there's like I said, this was in the middle of the day. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of traffic, and to see the support from the Highway Patrol and Game Fish and Parks, you know all the help we can get in those types of incidents is muchly appreciated. Yeah. You know, I was actually on my way uh, to launch at that point, and I was headed right up Haynes, as, uh, and I was getting passed by you know, officers with their lights and sirens responding to this situation. And can I just take a quick moment to, to stand on my pedestal and ask the, the folks or you know, offer a little bit of information for folks? If you see the red and blue in your rearview mirror, pull all the way to the right. Um, don't just stop in whatever lane that you're in because you are you are gumming up the roadway for that response. And uh, it was I, I didn't even have my lights and sirens on. It was just frustrating for me to yeah. watch uh, people just stop in the roadway yep. and and you know create a hazard or an obstacle that officers now have to get around as they're trying to help this situation. Well, and and I, I've noticed that too in other situations like. Uh, where, where people won't pull over or like they don't want to lose their spot in the mm-hmm. turning lane mm-hmm. or something. So they just stay there. Mm-hmm. Well, the officer doesn't know where, what you're doing, where you're going to go. Or are you going to decide to all of a sudden pull over as he's trying to, you know, get past you in a timely manner or what? Like it, yeah. it, it's, I, I feel the same. I've pulled over and been like, it, the, the other frustrating thing too, is after the cop goes by, everyone like rushes to try to pass you. And then you're like, Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Chill. Yeah. Like, let's all get back on the roadway together here. Mm-hmm. Just like. Yeah. So it, if, if you take one thing away from uh, listening to this podcast, if you see red and blue lights, emergency lights in your rearview mirror, pull all the way to the right. Yeah. Just clear that roadway. Yeah, and as far as the roadway concerned, I mean, we also had a lot of people drive by because it's a big scene. There's lots of police cars. There's an ambulance there. Uh, people probably want to know what's going on, so of course they'll drive through the area. And uh, unfortunately, we even had an accident from some people that would slow down and look, and then others not paying attention to what's going on in Trying front to of video them. And drive, <laughs> looking over their shoulder and not realizing the car in front of them stopped to take some video footage of their own or a picture of the scene. And so, in in those cases, if you see emergency lights. Uh, sometimes it's best just to uh, go the other way and you know hopefully try to give us a little extra more room and uh, 
we'll get the, the information out to you as soon as we can as far as what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we had a live update out within probably half an hour of the shooting once we were able to, you know, ascertain what, you know, the preliminary details of what happened because it, it is chaotic. You're talking to multiple witnesses. You're trying to get the best picture of, of uh, an incident that you weren't there for. Um, and be able to relay that with accuracy to the public. Uh, but, you know, just know if you see a giant response like that in Rapid City, you're probably going to see uh, some sort of information out on our social media pages. I will say that you guys are pretty good about it. I always, when I hear something like that, I always, you check the socials, and by the time you catch wind of it, usually you guys are pretty close to making a, at least even a post, like a incident at blah, 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 steer clear or mm-hmm. whatever you know whatever the, the it might be and it's like you're like oh okay so yeah. there is something going on yeah i gotta even hand it to our, our chief of police don hedrick uh, you know he'll show up at these scenes and he'll get information out just as fast as he can and like in, in this case he knew that a shooting took place he knew who the officer was uh, he knew some very basic information but he didn't have all of the details um, but just to kind of help set everyone at ease and to let everybody know that this uh, incident was under control, I mean, he gave the community everything that he had, um, not knowing the full details. So hats off to him to getting that information out there so people kind of had an idea as far as what's going on. I have noticed that as well. Yeah, he's very transparent with the community. I love that. Well, it's important for us because we know that, you know, in today's day and age, if, if you're not right on it, uh, you know, uh, things travel at the speed of social media, which is very quick. And so if you're not getting the accurate information out, inaccurate information starts filling the void, and that's harmful for the community. Yeah, you're right. Wow. Well, thank you, guys. Let's um, go on to the lighter side of things. Where are we at with the marijuana stuff in town? <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the weed stuff. I mean it like as in, uh, I remember a long, uh, back when it was a hot commodity or <laughs> or whatever, uh when it was a high commodity, it uh, it, it was in the news all the time. People were talking about: Is the rules going to change? Is the law is going to change? Blah 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 blah. Where where did we land on that? And as far as like, uh, I know there was some confusion there for a while for even officers. Uh, where's that at now? Do you do we know or up in smoke? <clears throat> well, you know, <clears throat> it's really nothing's changed as far as i mean of course the marijuana bill went up for uh, for a vote it failed yeah uh, marijuana is illegal uh the only way you can possess it is that if you have a, a medical marijuana card um but as far as recreational use of marijuana it's still a no-go here in south mm-hmm. dakota mm-hmm. and if you have a medical card are you limited by how much you could carry yes or have Yes, you are, and uh, what that particular uh, what we landed on for a weight or amount, right off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I'm not sure yeah. where that is. I'm gonna have to get myself versed up on that, but I'd have to call someone if I came across. We'd uh, have to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> I have to call you. Sounds like you might know more about it, that. No, I, so I'm I, gonna I have to call you it, and say, it, "Hey, I truly don't." It, the amount falls in the realm of personal use amount. So if you're carrying a gallon bag around of yeah. marijuana, oh my gosh. that's probably yeah, not you're gonna, gonna have problems. No, you don't get it, man. It's for my grandma my, and my grandpa. This is my this is my medicine here. Yeah, and I'm carrying around a bucket of ibuprofen. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, oh yeah, it'd be like I got this at Sam's Club. Just for my family. It's a family pack. (laughs) Okay, question from the public. What are some things you wish people knew about being a police officer besides your ringtone? 
<laughs> oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> You're always on the clock. I know. What do you do? No, Duty that, calls. That, that's one of the things that people don't always know is that you're you're always on the clock, and that's a good example. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> always on the clock. Yeah, I wish I could turn this bugger off sometimes, but unfortunately that just doesn't happen. Uh, so the question one more time is, what, what are some things that, that you wish people better understood about being in law enforcement? Yes. Oh, goodness. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the one of the – I don't know if this is just a generational thing or in light of certain events that have happened in other parts of the country, but the vast majority of law enforcement is out there to do the right thing. Uh, They're good people who want to go out and make a difference in the community. And I think uh, there's this perception out there that, you know, there's, there's this, uh, um, I don't know, corruption that's rampant through the system or uh, that there's always, you know, something, uh, nefarious at foot within, you know, police organizations. And I guarantee you, like, come work for us. You will not see any of that. Like we, we have a pretty, pretty big zero tolerance policy for anything that would have people question your integrity. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like that. And you know, we, we, uh, we fire officers. We, we suspend officers all the time for any sort of breach of that. And it's a yep. personnel matter, which we can't really get into on a, in a, on a public level, but it's happening. I, I wish I could be more transparent about it, but yeah, it, it's not uncommon for us to let an officer go because they uh, acted in a way that is less than, uh, you know, showing that integrity that we want to instill in everybody that works for us. Well, I suppose it's just like any other company. I mean, you have a, a single one, even the lowest ranking officer out on the street is at that moment the face of your organization Mm -hmm. which is the rapid city police department or any if you were a company he's the face of your he she is the face of your company and you want that person to know that you look you're hold to the same responsibilities as anybody else and you act otherwise and you're going to be looking for another job yeah well and and there have been some public examples of this that i I can talk about because they have entered into the public public spectrum and that is, uh, let's see, uh, early last year, we, we fired an officer because he was stealing money from the school district. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. And, and we, we issued a statement on that and, you know, let the community know that, you know, we're not going to tolerate that. Um, we're not going to tolerate any officers that choose to, to get involved in criminal activity. Well, a couple of years prior, uh, we fired a, a police officer for exhibiting uh you know racially biased profiling in Mm -hmm. you know a traffic stop that he was he was attempting to call out and so uh his his peers alerted their supervisor and said that didn't feel right you know that didn't you know shake out the way it should have and so we did an internal investigation and found that yeah that should have never happened that should have never been you know, a, a reason for a stop. And uh, so he ultimately lost his job as a result. Man. And yeah, that's good. It's, it really is good to know that that our officers, especially in Rapid City or anywhere, are being monitored like that because they need to be. It's unfortunate for you guys that you have to be on that kind of a watch all the time that somebody's always watching every move you make. But as long as you act in a in a pure heart and, and in, with high integrity, you should be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, little little things like 
uh, you know, I, I'll give you an example, and this isn't to like toot my own horn, but it's an example of the integrity that we're we're looking for. So I was at the gas station, and I was I was grabbing my Red Bull and a snack, right? Well, the register rang up, and it wasn't the normal price that I see. And I'm like, "Did you charge me for the Red Bull?" And she's like, "Oh no, I didn't." And I said, "Well, the last thing I want to do is walk out of here." With that, with something that I didn't pay for, yeah, uh, especially because I'm wearing my, you know, Rapid City Police Department <laughs> yeah. shirt and and everything. But I mean, that's the sort of stuff that we're looking for. Like, right. I could have just as easily walked out that door, and nobody would have, uh, but I would have known. And yeah. I don't want to be that person. Like, haha, gotcha. So, so it's all about when we talk about integrity. It's you know, always always act as if somebody's looking. Yep. So. Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. Question from Michael, and I actually recorded him. Last night. Uh-huh. Here we go. How was a police officer's made? How was how a, a police officer made? And then I, I had him rephrase the question. He said invented. And then he actually wants to know when was the first police officer? Mm. How did they become? Well, People are the police and the Police are the people. Sir Robert, Robert Peel. Sir Robert Peel is the founder of modern policing. And so he he came up with his, uh, you know, I can't remember how many basic elements of, of what it means to be a modern day police officer. But one of the, the founding principles is this concept of <clears throat> the police are the people and the people are the police. And it's the idea that we all share this community. Um, we may work as uh, law enforcement officers in this community and be empowered with a, a certain amount of, of extra power to, uh, you know, arrest people or take away people's freedoms, you know, that have committed crimes or victimized others. But we can only do that with the um, consent of the public. And so if we don't have public trust, then how can we be uh, asked to, you know, have these these extra abilities in our tool belt to go out and arrest people so um you know we we take that to heart you know we uh put it right front and center in our mission statement community first um everything that we do is guided by this desire to make the community a better place and so um, I believe Sir Robert Peel was maybe late 1800s. Yeah. I mean, if you give me oh, wow. give me a minute to Google it, I can yeah. I can tell you. It's kind of cool. But yeah. even knowing that it's it's been something from that long ago, mm-hmm. 1800, early 1900s. Michael I mean, brought up a very interesting question. Very good. <laughs> yeah, it, very good. It's it, it's very um, <laughs> philosophical, actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. How was the first police officer made? I was like, uh, oh. maybe we should rephrase that. <laughs> he's he's got very deep thoughts. <laughs> he did say, and then he paused and said, "Invented." <laughs> um, in 1829, Sir Robert Peel established the London Metropolitan Police Force. He became known as the father of modern policing, and his commissioners established a list of policing principles that remain as crucial and urgent today as they were two centuries ago. They contain three core ideas and nine principles. Um, so we'll just we'll get into the core ideas. The goal is preventing crime, not catching criminals. If the police stop crime before it happens, we don't have to punish citizens or suppress their rights. <laughs> An effective police department doesn't have high arrest stats. Its community has low crime rates. 
the key to preventing crime is earning public support. Every community member must share the responsibility of preventing crime as if they were all volunteer members of the force. They will only accept this responsibility if the community supports and trusts the police. The police earn public support by respecting community principles. Winning public approval requires hard work to build reputation. Uh, and this includes enforcing the laws impartially, hiring officers who represent and understand the community, and using force only as a last resort. And all of that still rings very much true today. So uh, good question, Michael. Yeah. Oh. That's cool. Very good we question. We all learned something today. It's, it's cool, like I, like I said earlier, to something that, that was in re, like instated that long ago is still the model in which modern officers, you know, run their business it's wild yeah to think about it well it, it's a uh, it's core principles of of just understanding uh the role that we have in the community and how how we uphold that mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. well i appreciate everything you guys do thank you so much thank you guys yeah, thanks for coming in be safe out there if you have a question for us send it our way citizens arrest at homesliceaudio.com see ya <laughs> Citizens Arrest is hosted by Amy Rose, Brandon Jones, Brendan Medina, and Lieutenant Mosier. Produced by Mark Houston. Engineered by Chris Jacquez. Audio and video mastered by Russ Haddon. If you liked what you heard, please rate it five stars and leave a comment. Affirmative.